You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Everyone to RB1 in the Fantasy Football Podcast, part of the Fake Teams Podcast channel. I am the Discary Fire of Scary Terry, rom com aficionado and lover of Nikhil Harry, your humble host, Pete Rogers. And I am joined at some point by all of the guys, but currently just two of them. We have Doubter of Juju Smith Schuster, caster of the double reverse chutzpah, and friend of doggos everywhere. Resident Old Man Clark Barnes and fantasy football premier internet doctor Larry Fitzgerald's lone admonisher and maker of questionable bets, the ginger normalman Nick Bodiford. Guys, how we doing? Doing great, Pete. Good, Pete. Yeah, I uh, I spiced up since we are an ever evolving podcast who loves to listen to our fan base and internalize and make changes. I uh, spiced up our intros and brought back some old ones. Clark, you got some got some well aged ones there that are, that were classics from well well back in the show. Fine work, old man. I'm, I'm always impressed with your uh, with your intros. Um, Speaking of being an old man, yes. so I accidentally clicked on the ATVs snowmobiles section of Craigslist <laughs> today and saw a gas powered go kart that I'm trying to convince my or gas powered golf cart. Uh-huh. I'm just trying to figure out how I will sell to Katie that I spent like two grand on a gas. <laughs> That's that's a lot of money. <laughs> I know. And that's I think what this I is how overcome. you do it. You've already sold it to her. Now she's going to listen to the podcast. And the news will be broken, and then she'll come, and you'll be like, "Oh my goodness, you heard that? Oh no, shocks!" You know, I Clark, uh, if I may, when I was a freshman <laughs> in college, uh, a friend of mine worked at a golf course, and we discovered that his golf cart skeleton key also worked for the campus safety golf carts. And so after he came back from break, he brought the key back and we took one. We, well, I think the term is stealing. Um, borrowed. Borrowed from <laughs> Pete's, Pete, is this plausible deniability of putting the camera down? Yes. No, so, this is definitely. No, Becca, we got this new lighter that's like electric instead of gas powered. And so it basically literally looks like like a cattle prod electro probe between it. And she's lighting candles and it's mesmerizing. Anyway, sorry. Gotcha. Not to... Not to Yes, and also plausible deniability. So you broke in and anyway. stole a bunch of things, Nick. Thank you for yeah, broadcasting we, we stole, that to our tens of listeners. We stole the the uh, campus safety golf cart from their office and then drove it to Safeway to buy beer with her fake IDs. That did get caught. So, <laughs> so the system still works. God bless America. <laughs> One of five crimes thwarted that evening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I really hope that some member of... Uh, Crime. The Wobegon University police system <laughs> <laughs> comes down on you with the vengeance, Nicholas. They, yeah, they did not like me. Yeah, well, shocker. Wonder, <laughs> wonder why. <laughs> I'm curious. Did you get caught at Costco because your membership card did not match your fake ID? Mm. No, no. no. Uh, what was your so fake ID actually, name? Uh, okay, 
Well, pause, pause, pause. So first off, that was Safeway, and I didn't get caught then. I did get caught later. Okay. Uh, uh, second, though, uh, it was just Nick Bodhar. It Well, I shouldn't be spouting that off. That's it was remarkable. Smart. Someone, well, I here's mean, the thing. Someone I knew. Why go after a different name? Someone knew a guy who uh, stole their, they, they, he, he worked at the DMV and angrily quit, and he stole their printer. So he was printing, like, borderline legal IDs. Yeah. And then some. How did you get caught that? Oh, it's a snitch. Yeah. Um, some kid who didn't have anything better to do some contacted the, and it, the school I went to is under 2000 people. So like, it's, it's very, very small. You people are known immediately. So anyway, yeah, this kid told campus safety or whatever that a bunch of New Hampshire IDs were going all over the place and no one from my school was from New Hampshire. So <laughs> campus safety called all of the surrounding businesses. and was like, Hey, if you have any asshole 19 year olds with New Hampshire IDs, it's not, it's a fake. Mm. And so the first guy to get caught actually was the guy who made them. <laughs> that was a real yeah, that is, I mean, that's just what a, I, I feel like that should be a lot harder to steal a DMV printer. Right, I feel like this that should be nine eleven, probably. I, probably, Dallas <laughs> was well after that. I, remember, I forget. I forget like, everyone on the pod's not old. Like when right. you were getting your fake ID, like in the nineties, right? <laughs> yeah. What, what my, was what, my ahead. fake ID name was Steve Timberland. <laughs> <laughs> we had we had all of the same information, like down to our street address. It, the 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 Steve. Um, Timberland. Oh my God, I love it. I was from Louisiana. That thing uh, <laughs> made many a night down in Clear Lake, Texas. Uh, oh my God. Well, I just added that to your now to your opening, Clark. Your doubt. Formerly Steve, Steve formerly Timberland. Steve so, Timberland. What was what was funny about that's actually that that is awesome, Clark. But what was funny about the IDs was apparently when when the the barcodes are scanned, the person who's scanning them on their their computer, the the state will pop up. And that's how it verifies. Mm-hmm. But on ours, he couldn't program the state. So he just got it to say approved. And mm-hmm. so you'd see them kind of look at it like, what the fuck? Yeah, like, wait, it's, it's telling real? me that, that it's okay. It's telling me but... this is right, but this is not normal. That yeah. means he probably knew more about how that system works than anyone in the DMV. That's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very amazed. Like, I'm amazed that this guy quit took a printer and basically hijacked the DMV and was successfully printing at like real fake IDs for <laughs> yeah. an extended period of time. This is Big crimes. Yeah, seriously. Oregon well, can't even print compliant IDs right now. I know. <laughs> and Nick, if your friend is looking for something, looking for work. This is how this is how it happens. Well, we've now just basically hopefully the DMV who's a regular listener, they now uh, up their safety. <laughs> preventative measures from uh from getting ids and uh printers stolen all right should we talk football okay let's get out of the way let's uh let's 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 you know tackle that football because pete's got a monday night football game to watch as the patriots take on the jets um all right we're gonna cover obviously we got fantasy mvps to talk about we've got some fantasy news to talk about and then because the nfl trade deadline is next week i think it's a week from Tuesday, the day that you are all listening to this podcast, uh, we are going to give out the trades that we want to happen at the deadline. And then, of course, wrap it all up with a little bit of waiver wire. Uh, So let's get right into fantasy MVPs. Nick, we'll start with you. Who is your MVP for week seven? 
Uh, this one was really tough, but I, I decided to go with Latavius Murray because he is so heavily owned. He's owning around three quarter of, of uh, Yahoo leagues. I didn't check ESPN, but I assume it's somewhere in the ballpark. Um, I, I like that he is a, a well-owned player. That means that a lot of people were able to start him and he was able to win uh, a lot. Well, of course, outside of the ones that I'm familiar with, a lot of the matchups that uh, that he was started in, uh, that was a, a massive performance. I, I Blanking on the number off the top of my head, it was either 21 or 27 in half-point PPR, but it was a, a big, uh, it was a big amount of points from a uh, you know a, a backup running back, and and that's a that's a, a league tilter, a, a a weak winner. Yeah, you and you touched on what is it's always a, a, a characteristic of who I want to find it as a fantasy MVP when I nominate someone is someone who most people have started and could benefit from it. Like Chase Edmonds, yes, put up a. Re- ridiculous stat line against the Giants but rarely did anyone start him because the Cardinals right before the game were like oh BT dubs David Johnson is activated and don't worry we'll get into all of this in, in detail but uh so that's that's why I think it's you want to have someone where as Alvin Kamara was out and so you knew Latavius Murray was going to be the RB1 there in, in that game and so you started him against a you know a still competent Bears defense but one that maybe has seen a little bit iffy iffy uh uh considering they gave up a lot to josh jacobs two weeks before but anyways uh latavius murray had a great game that's a good pick uh clark who's your mvp for the week seven i'm i'm disappointed that we broke the streak last week so i got to get another one going here for real football mvp and fantasy mvp candidate uh lamar jackson lamar just still absolutely tearing it up a uh, guy who was drafted way too early by everyone in this room, uh, laughed out of their drafts by wasting their eighth round pick on him. Eighth round, uh, like you made it that far. <laughs> I believe he's, uh, last time I looked, he was the top QB uh, in, in fantasy. I'm sure he's still close. And he had a, another big week this week. So, Lamar Jackson. I, I'm fairly certain that he's still the number one. Yeah, he, he is. The dude's just such a friggin baller and um uh, who was it on the uh i think it was the today's ringer episode Dude, they were something they pointed out that i really really appreciated was the way that the ravens have crafted this offense mm. around him Perfectly. is so unique it, it, it is perfect but what's so damn cool about it is it's not a new coaching staff that that brought in their guy or is trying to force him into their system uh, you can tell my Seattle fan is coming out in me. Um, <laughs> the fact that they, it's its a well-established fr- uh, front office. You know, Harbaugh has been there for 10 years or, or something, 12. And he's willing to change his system. That speaks a lot to the quality of coach that he is. A lot of coaches are just, no, I run my system. You will play well in it. And, you know, again, if Seattle would only do something similar, the fortunes would, would shift. But anyway, what John Harbaugh has done, I greatly respect. Yeah, no, I mean, this is a common theme of things that we talk about where it's like, oh, man, this player got drafted to the wrong team. Imagine if they were on this team instead. And in this case, you know, John Harbaugh was like, oh, no, 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 Lamar got drafted to the right team, and we're going to build an offense around him, which is just I, the, re, the fact that, like, NFL teams don't do that with regularity is perplexing to me. It's like when you have a transcendent talent at – a position regardless like any position maybe it's a good idea to craft your offense to highlight that player and utilize his abilities to the fullest there's a lot of uh, examples we could touch on my mvp for week seven is going tight end darren waller 
finally scored touchdown. In fact, he scored two touchdowns, but he's been a fantasy stud throughout this entire year, mainly because he's the only pass catcher in Oakland. Um, so he was, you know, people are going to start him. You don't not start Darren Waller because he's become one of the better tight ends in fantasy this year. And he rewarded players, rewarded fantasy owners with a big performance, another big performance and two touchdowns, which is uh, always what you look for. And in the barren wasteland of tight end, you know, you got to give some love to the guys who can be the difference maker for your team. Love it. We may have a little bit more hot tight end talk in the waiver Ooh. wire segment. Yeah, Waller's, uh, he, he's a baller. Uh, and I'm glad that the touchdown positive regression has begun for him. What He found the end zone how, twice last week or two weeks twice. ago? Twice. Yeah. Twice against the, the Packers. And it's the first two he scored all, all year. There we go. Yeah, uh, the the dude's a stud. It was really smart of them to lock him up midseason. Those contracts are yeah. usually extremely team-friendly. Uh, they suck for the player, but that's uh, a savvy move by a stupid team. Mm-hmm. A team with a plan, though. I'm going to be honest here. I am buying into John Gruden. We'll see, we'll see what happens, but this team is spunky for despite being a, a complete shit show this offseason. Yeah, I staunchly I, I, oppose what Pete just said. I buy, I buy there. into a, 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 a frisky team. Well, I'm going to go frisky. out on a ledge and say, I think we should just wait and see. God oh. damn it. God, nice. God damn it. Good Clark. Splitting the line right down the middle. Uh, all right, so there you go. Fantasy MVP for week seven. Uh, moving on, we have rebranded the news. Normally, we would just be like, oh, time for some NFL news. But everything, you guys is branding, right? And that's important. So I felt news wasn't covering all of our bases. So instead, we've rebranded the news segment to Fantasy Football Tidbits from Week 7. To start, even as activated David Johnson, who only got one carry because Cliff Kingsbury doesn't give a fuck about your fantasy team, couldn't hold Chase Edmonds, who rushed for 126 yards and three touchdowns versus the hapless Giants. As many's number one waiver wire target, one has to wonder, Nick, if Edmonds is a spark in the pan or a flash in the pot with tough matchups against the Saints and 49ers ahead. What? uh, Means he's good. Spark in the pan or a flash in the pot. You pick. Oh, <laughs> what does uh, it say? It's like a it's a it's flash in the pan and a. And he's. I can explain make... this one. Oh uh, yes, go good. Flash in the pan is a reference to the old uh, flintlock style muskets. Perfect. The powder that would light off in the pan is supposed to light a little tube of powder and go into the barrel, explode, and then shoot the projectile at the British who are coming. Uh, flash in the pan means it just flashed and that something is wrong and didn't work right yeah. mm, so there you Take go that. this is why we keep so, you around clark <laughs> thank you clark for back in my day that's how guns work back in clark's day when we yeah. were fighting the british <laughs> he won texas independence um yeah <laughs> uh okay so uh yeah chase edmonds should be started in your lineup next week he'll be a running back one uh david johnson has been labeled as uh day to day dr david chow likes to point out that that oftentimes means week to week uh, that's something that I, I tend to bank on or be comfortable banking on much more so than I would expecting him to play. Even if he is limited, I think Edmonds is going to be the bell cow. And uh, it's smart to always get your best 11 players on the field at all times. I think what Chase Edmonds did on that or on, on you know, uh, in, in live action last week was enough to force Cliff Kingsbury's hand to rotate be, uh, between he and David Johnson as slot receivers. Uh, 
when when everyone is healthy. I expect Chase Edmonds to hold season-long value after this, but this week I, I absolutely expect him to be the uh, the starting running back given that David Johnson – I mean, he didn't I, – I, I suppose it's okay to use this term. He basically had a setback during the game. It He didn't necessarily like – I don't even know why he was activated. Why, why activate him if your whole game plan is just going to be, well, we're just going to run Chase Edmonds. Like Cliff Kingsbury even came out afterwards and was like, well, we were only going to use David Johnson if we absolutely needed to. It's like, okay, so why activate him? Like why even have him suit up and get ready to play if you were trying to not use him? Just give him another week to get healthy. Clearly you didn't need him on the field because Chase Edmonds has, and this wasn't just like a freak. I mean, clearly this production is not going to be repeatable by Chase State. Like he's not going to be scoring three touchdowns a game, but he's had a couple of good games leading up to this, which makes you think that he can be a serviceable starting back for the Cardinals whenever, however long David Johnson's out. Yeah, I, I think it was just a prudent move in a uh, in an NFC matchup where they they wanted you know they Kingsbury's still learning how to be a head coach in the NFL and perhaps valued the uh, the smoke and mirrors more than he did the extra uh, uh, roster spot that probably should have gone to somebody else. Um, but anyway, yeah, I'm I'm very bullish on on Chase Edmonds uh, starting this week, and I think I've got him as like the running back ten in, in my rankings coming out tomorrow, somewhere around there. Yeah, with Edmonds. Uh... <laughs> We're in a difficult spot with where David Johnson is going to be. And this, I think, is the kind of headache that I, if I can afford to, like to avoid. Uh, But I am not going to let Chase Edmonds go uh, for free or for too much. This is a rare instance where I'm going to price and force on Chase Edmonds if he hasn't been picked up at 25% of your fab. Or if I'm like third or fourth in the waiver order because you're playing fantasy football in 1996 and that's how you have it set up. I'm going to use, I'm going to use my priority on him. uh, If nothing else, because there is a good chance that you can get some standalone value from him, like Nick mentioned. And in, in four days, the situation can have completely changed uh, finding out that something bad has really happened to David Johnson. And now you have the new starter for the Cardinals. So I'm going to price and force, but I'm not going to sell the kids college. Uh, gold stash for this one uh, clark uh pat on the back for shaming those who have not adopted a more forward thinking <laughs> waiver wire system um i so i love fab i i think even snake drafts are stupid i i'm like all auction only if possible but um at least have like rolling waivers that update with the standings every week those who just have a a oh just a waiver order is just not it what are why are you playing what is the point yeah, you weirdos, stop it. Knock it off. Always happy to shame people, Nick. Thank you. <laughs> really highlighting what everyone brings to the podcast this, uh, this episode. Uh, all right, next in our list of tidbits, uh, Clark, for you, trouble in Green Bay? After Aaron Jones scored four touchdowns against the Cowboys, Aaron Rodgers put the running back in his place, scoring six total touchdowns against the Raiders, proving once again the championship belt belongs to him and him alone. Uh, Is MVP Rodgers back? I don't think MVP Rodgers ever left. He's just Mm. shown that he does need a little bit of help, which is not a condemnation of Rodgers. Like, even when things are going horribly for Brady, he needs – you know, he, he needs someone to help him. And I think this game is just a reminder that Brady is, or uh, Rogers is just not over the hill. As far as MVP candidatism goes, I, I mean, I think Rogers is always in the conversation. It just depends on what the Packers record is going to be, but I'll be really upset if it goes to Rogers 
uh, halfway through the season if it goes to Rodgers instead of Russell Wilson or Lamar Jackson. I think they've just had much better Full stretches seasons. of games. Yeah. yeah. So I checked out um, on sharpfootballstats.com his, his, uh, his passing utilization uh, from, from week seven. And what I found was on first down, he attempted 16 passes. On second and third down, he combined for 15 pass attempts what we're seeing is a shift in the green bay play calling to more pass first uh a more pass first offense which as i harp on all the time and as we we regularly talk about offenses who pass first pass first produce more points uh this is good for everyone involved if we get aaron Rodgers going to work on first down and shortening uh the distance that the team needs to go on second and third that bodes very well not just for him but also for uh, for the offense as a whole, if if they're spreading it out, he's chucking it deep on first. They're 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 either bypassing third down or having very very short third downs. Keep the defense spread out. That's that's heyday for for Aaron Jones all day long. Yeah, I'm. I mean, do you think that Aaron Rodgers as because uh, people were worried, right? Aaron Rodgers has not been off to the greatest start in Lafleur's offense in terms of fantasy production, right? He's still been making incredible throws from a real football perspective but the touchdowns and the scoring hasn't quite been there. And it was here in a full wave of, you know, points. Is he, are you now confidently, you're just like, cool, Aaron Rodgers is back. Put him as your QB one. If you're playing a one QB league, I'm done. I don't need to worry about it anymore. Or are you, cause for me personally, it's like, I'm, we've seen incredible games from him in the past. It's like, I would like to see at least one more game from him where he is showing me that, yes, this offense is now back to a, kind of more pass happy or something that Aaron Rodgers can really have a lot of passing success in rather than the run first kind of offense that that LaFleur has often operated regardless of how much I trust a player I'll always be paying attention to matchups just to see if there's someone who I have that might be better sure um I you know something I, I harp on all the time here I think it's really challenging to evaluate a a player's current playing ability when they are being set up to fail and given the offensive system that Matt LaFleur was running, he was not setting uh, Aaron Rodgers up for success through the first few weeks. Now, a lot of uh, folks, you know, who, who embrace the American dream will say like, well, if you just work hard, then it's all. Um, No, he's, he's a human and it's been a very frustrating career for him. And now he's getting older. He, he, there's nothing wrong with him needing uh, a better system for him to just flourish. So Anyway, I want to see Matt another Love week flourish. of similar. Nailed it. There you go. I want to see another week of him uh, getting this kind of play calling until I like fully embrace it and and don't and you know see that Lafleur has grown out of his donkeyishness. But mm. uh, I think that it's this is uh, very promising. Sony Michelle touchdown. Pats up seven zero. Get it. What's up, Jordan? Hello. Hello. How was packing? Uh. I'm not very far. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, stop interrupting us. Moving on to Los Angeles Chargers, uh, who told Nick and his nerdy analytics to suck it as they lost to the Titans in the most Chargers way possible, giving the ball to Melvin Gordon twice at the goal line, both carries which he fumbled, the latter being recovered by the Titans, ultimately sealing the game, despite the fact that it was Austin Eckler that uh, was the do-it-all guy that led to the, uh, led the offense down there. 
I said Eckler would be a great matchup against the Titans you against did. Uh, the traditional Gordon. And what do you know? He freaking killed it. Uh, hopefully those two goal line fumbles will get into the Chargers' head that or- Gordon should not be played over Eckler and that they should be going back to what worked in weeks uh, one and two. Eckler, like Clark alluded to, had 118 yards through the air and touchdown, almost two touchdowns, one to seal the game, but uh, it was called back. He was down at the goal line. I mean, again, we've spent lots of time, and I'm sure lots of people have spent time on this Chargers offense just because of the fact that they don't have an analytics department. So you never really know what crazy uh, 1940s thought processes are going through their heads. But you hope that even something that that even a team as kind of uh, obtuse or, or slow in the processing as the Chargers would take snaps away from a running back who can't carry the ball who fumbled it twice on the goal line despite the fact that they then gave it to him right away uh so hopefully this is a sign that austin eckler is going to get back into the bulk of the workload and return to week one week two week three usage who we're just crossing our fingers but i'm thinking that this is a good sign for austin eckler and austin eckler owners I agree. I, I don't think that you should go away from a player just because he fumbles, but Eckler has already been outplaying Gordon. Uh, I, I don't expect Gordon to hit the ground running. This is sort of preseason for him. But if you need more evidence of why maybe you should be easing Gordon into the offense while letting Eckler retain the number one role, there's some pretty good evidence this week uh, at the old goal. Of why you should do that. I'm, I'm really not optimistic that they'll keep things going. Um, uh, it, you know, in the in the right direction with with deploying Eckler. Gordon is averaging two point three yards <laughs> per carry. Like it's, it is, it's it is difficult abysmal. to be that bad. It's really hard to be that bad, and and he's doing it. Um, this is what happens when you sit out. And hey, like I, I support I, I any any player who wants to fight for more money, I support you, man. Uh, but that doesn't mean you're going to come back and play really well. That's what he's doing um, here by that. He's playing very poorly. I, I do want to point out there's a pretty funny um, little tiff going on right now between Warren Sharp and David Chow over the state of the Chargers. Yeah. So I guess last week they lost the game by not having, or was it this last weekend? They lost the game basically by not having Phillip Rivers take a QB. Oh, yeah. Uh, a QB. Yeah. 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 And, Cause it, it converts on the goal line at like 70 or 80% of the time. Preposterous. It, like, it's, it's I think it's the single most effective conversion play in the in the sport. And they have never given Rivers a QB keeper. So Warren Sharp had Chow, Dr. Chow, ask Rivers why he doesn't do it when he was on his podcast earlier. And Rivers was like, I don't know, I haven't seen the numbers. I'd maybe be open to it. And so now they're like Sharp was like angry at Dr. Chow on Twitter about this, and the Chow is rushing to Rivers defense. Chow, Dr. Chow kind of likes to defer to authority. It's kind of goofy, but um, anyway, shots he, fired he at Dr. David Chow. Dang. I, he does. One sponsor like, of a no, Nick sure segment, and now he's just getting shots thrown at him. I uh, I respect his, his his medical diagnoses, but I... I mean, this is true. It's coming. It's not for me. It's coming from fantasy football's premier internet doctor. Nick is trying to get on that territory. He's trying to, he's trying to start laying his, <laughs> his own groundwork down. So he's got to bring down the man at the top. I'm about to go right back into him for my next segment. But uh, anyway, I think the, the chargers need to figure out what they want to be. Ultimately, if they want to move on from Philip rivers, who is getting up there. Um, you know, we've kind of seen the, other two QBs from his draft class sort of drop off. So 
if they do decide that they want to move on, they need to make that decision before the trade deadline. Because if I were them, then I would be trying to sell off my skill position players, recoup some draft picks, and uh, make sure I can get some some good infrastructure pieces, some offensive linemen, some defensive linemen, because God knows that offensive line is awful. You cannot draft a rookie QB and stick them behind that offensive line. So, yeah, um, you know, start, start selling some parts and recouping some picks. All right. Uh, two more bulletins in our new uh, tidbits section. Falcons coffin got its 19th nail this week as Matt Ryan limped off the field with a sprained ankle and now questionable for week eight. Nick, you're the doctor. If you're a fantasy owner, are you selling all your Falcon shares? How have we not been doing a high doctor, Nick? I don't know. Stuff from the same. Yeah. Um, all right. So anyway, cool. am I selling all my Falcon shares? Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm going to keep Julio Jones. Um, <clears throat> Devin Cordy also Freeman. just intercepted Sam Darnold. Suck it. Yeah. Uh, Devontae Freeman trying to punch uh, Aaron Donald as Donald lifted him off the ground. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Um, I I mean, I don't want to like make a list right now of people in the NFL who I'd least like to fight, but Aaron Donald is atop that list. Why would anyone be like, oh, you know, I'm going to punch in the face, Aaron Donald. He's very upset because his knee doesn't work. But um, anyway, all right. So, so what, what, what are we looking at for, for Matt Ryan here? He has a right ankle sprain. Uh, they will not confirm if it is high or moderate or whatever. Dr. Chow immediately diagnosed it as a high ankle sprain via video. To it, his, his wording is like, this is a clear right high ankle sprain. So what does that mean? Uh, it's on his plant leg, which is the same injury that Patrick Mahomes suffered in, I think, week one. Uh, the plant leg is easier or it's, it's a better leg to have sprained for a quarterback than the front leg, given the way that you have to lean on the front leg when you follow through. Um, so it, it, as far as which ankle it could have been, uh, this is the better ankle, but it's still a high ankle sprain and they, uh, they have a buy in week nine. So it would be prudent for them to rest him right now. I would call him a total coin toss. Uh, they, Dan Quinn has said that he is running in the pool, which apparently is a rehab thing. I'm not familiar with sure. running in the pool. But, Why not? Um, yeah, let's let's roll with it. Uh, so I think he's I think he's a total coin toss, and I think that you should plan to not have him. But this is an injury that he could play with. Thing is, though, if you're using Matt Ryan, if if he's your starting quarterback, you need to be planning for a backup regardless because they're going on by. So just go invest in a backup now. Oh, and I'm keeping Austin Hooper regardless because that guy is the friggin' tight end one. That guy is a machine. <laughs> Clark loves Austin Hooper. I'm the Falcons are trash. So, finally, in Week Seven, tidbits. Uh, some NFC North injury news: Adam Thielen and Carry on Johnson left their respective games. Uh, though he, uh, Thielen's injury doesn't seem too be, too serious. He tweaked his hammy. Uh, it'll keep him out of Thursday night, it seems, versus the uh, Washington Breadsticks, which means fire up your Stefan Diggs shares because. Who else is uh, Kirk Cousins going to be throwing the football to? I haven't seen an update on Carryon Johnson, though, which often isn't good, probably meaning that he is going to be missing some extended time, which is why you should uh, go get Ty Johnson off the waiver wire. We got an update about 20 minutes before the update. show started. Yeah, Breaking he's, news. He's going to miss time. Breaking okay. news. Da, da, da. Um, yeah, he's he's going to miss, uh, I think it's I, I think it was just ex- or some, some time. 
Um, I'm looking at it, it was, right now. Uh, it was the most vague language you could conjure. <laughs> awesome. And it so was helpful. twice. He's going so, to miss okay. some time and he's going to be called week to week, which I thought was so, hilarious because someone is like, that is an odd thing to call a man. We, we, <laughs> his new name is Good week Lord. to week. Um, so week to week diagnoses are, that's bad. That's, uh, well, it's, I've okay, often it's heard, I've often long-term. heard that week to week diagnoses really mean month to month. There you go. Uh, I, I think he's probably a safe bet to miss two to four weeks. Um, yeah, the, 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 the diagnosis that Dr. Chow gave him, uh, as of this morning was that he doesn't think it's, when he said it was like, it's good news for his long-term prospects, which is which not an endorsement for right now. He's not uh, playing. You're going to be without, yeah, you're going to be without carry on Johnson for a few weeks. So go ahead, Ty Johnson. Holy crap. It's always tough for week-to-week diagnoses with fantasy because it's like, well, is he going to play next week? Do I have to have a contingency plan in place? Or if he is going to be playing, like, at what percentage am I getting this guy? Are they going to limit him on a snap-to-snap basis? It's just super annoying. I usually try to avoid it altogether, and then I end up getting burned because, like, guys like Chris Godwin just go off after they come back from injury. So <laughs> it's Short annoying is what I'm saying. That was, that was the, he came back from injury. And then that was the game after that he scored three touchdowns on my bench. So I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> it, um, if it's any consolation. So he, uh, there didn't appear to be any mechanism that triggered the injury. It's likely just, uh, in, in Dr. Chow's words, overuse. And the fact that they put it in a brace is a stability thing. So that's probably an a meniscus or an MCL sprain, um, which given that they haven't announced surgery or anything, is is probably just a rehab within four weeks. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's probably within a few weeks. It is, however, not the same knee that he had injured uh, last year. That's good. His all right. were probably just shocked because he had to start running passing routes all of a sudden. <laughs> just shocked at the system. George's just throwing shade every which way he can. Uh, this is a shade-filled podcast so far, you guys. Uh, and with that, I got to get my reps in. Exactly. <laughs> with that, we shall conclude fantasy football tidbits from week seven. Yes. Uh, and before we go into our trades, we want to see happen at the deadline. We are going to first take a quick ad break. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 
All right, we are back. And with the NFL trade deadline merely a week away, uh, we are going to put out some of the trades that we want to see happen out there into the universe, into the world, to try and hope that these players maybe, uh, in some of my cases, move from a fantasy shithole to a fantasy uh, golden town and suddenly have fantasy value or just spice up the uh, NFL a little bit. Clark, we'll start with you. Why don't you give us your first trade that you want to see happen at the deadline? So I thought that this was really feasible and I wanted to start off the contest, which I will win with that. (laughs) And it's Emmanuel Sanders, of course, to Green Bay for a fourth round pick. I know that Green Bay has a lot of young receivers, but they have a lot of young receivers that are struggling to stay healthy and they just need some receiving help. Emmanuel Sanders is on the last year of his three-year deal. Looks like he's owed about $5 $5 million for the year. So that's like another $3 million this year. The Packers have the space to do it. Sanders is really talented, savvy old vet. And Rodgers, despite his six touchdown game this week against the still lowly and not very good John Gruden led Raiders. Sorry, Pete. They will be at a time. I think they need, I think they need receiver help there. You're constantly in win now mode with Aaron Rodgers. Get him Manny Sanders some help here. This is hilarious because I had the exact same trade, that exact same scenario. Yes. Emmanuel Sanders for a fourth round pick. Oh, it's a um, it's a hundred percent happening then. Yeah, uh, you know what? It was just my this was my selfish choice because I look at that game and um, like a, a lot of people might be doing the thing where it's like, oh, it's Aaron Rodgers against Oakland. Oakland's pass defense isn't that good. We know that, but also he did that with. Alan Lazard and Jake Kumaro as his top snap share guys. Uh, Jake Kumaro, who they looked like that. they like pulled out of a Wisconsin bar and was like, Hey, throw on some pads and a helmet, Jake. <laughs> You're six, five. And he's like, Oh yeah, I could do this. He to look big on a football field is impressive. And he looks big on the yeah. football field. UW Whitewater's finest. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's not something that is, sustainable like better defenses are going to come through and they're not going to be able to run routes with these people Devonte adams it's just a turf toe injury he can come back from it it's not like he's done for the season but if he by chance like injuries are random so if he goes down again then you're in a playoff race with marquez valdez scantling who kind of shows up when he wants to Packers receivers don't really make the jump until their third year anyway but that's Still way too many limited options. Get Emmanuel Sanders. He's helping the Broncos way too much. Um, you, they don't. They shouldn't be a team that wants to win right now. They should be going the other way. They're going to end up at like 6-10 and 10 or 7-9 and nine or something, which isn't helpful. And, um, yeah, open the field up for Cortland Sutton. He's clearly the guy now. So that's, I think that's a good move for all fantasy buyers of Cortland Sutton and Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot to add to it, but I do I do like the point that Devontae Adams is uh, – Dr. Chow believes he's out till November. Uh, turf toe sucks. Uh, he'll, he'll be able to return, but it's a, it's a brutal injury to have to, uh, have to deal with. Sanders, it seems like a perfect fit. Um, but damn it, why didn't MBS just develop into a stud slot receiver? I mean, he's, he's still – he's good, but he's not Sanders. Yeah, All right, my first, my first trade is not my sexy one. I got one that's, that's you know, it's a very good trade. It's a good trade trade, and the other one's a sexy trade trade. Uh, but the first one, similarly in the wide receiver helping an offense that could use one vein, the Falcons seem like dealers at the deadline. 
And while I wanted to get Julio Jones to San Francisco to reunite with Kyle Shanahan, uh, cap space is a bitch and you can't do it. But not all hope is lost for a Shanahan reunion. Uh, the 49ers clearly need a number one receiver uh, in this offense as George Kittle's 42 targets lead the team and then everyone else is in the teens in targets. So it's like, okay, let's target someone other than uh, George Kittle. How about sending a fifth or a fourth to Atlanta for Mohamed Sanu? It's not the sexiest pick, but Sanu has been one of the better receivers in the NFL per next-gen stats. Uh, he's tied for third among wide receivers for average separation and fifth among wide receivers in catch percentage. He's coming off of an 800-plus-yard yard season, has a great history with Shanahan, would instantly plug into that offense and be at all, the do-it-all guy and be another reliable target outside of uh, George Kittle. So I like that as a, as a quick fix, quick implement to a, to a 6-0 and 49ers team that's going to be looking to go the distance this year. I like the move and I like moves that are on that level of we have this unused asset who people know is good. He's not going to change the culture of your team and he's not going to cost that much. It's just a solid player where one team has excess and the other team has a dearth of talent. And I, I'm hoping that we've seen more trades, I think, in the NFL in the last two years than we've seen, I think, for from when I've been watching yeah. the NFL for the past 20 years that during the season. So I hope we start to see things like that. And I think Sanu to, uh, to San Francisco is just a, a, a perfect deal for everybody involved. Yeah. I like that a lot, Pete. Uh, you'll actually see how much I like it when I talk about mine. Saucy. I was thinking Clark in, in the, your vein of, of players who aren't being used and, uh, and should just go to a team that can use them. I was really wanting to talk about OJ Howard to the Patriots, but then I saw that reports came today that the Patriots have called the Buccaneers about that, and the Buccaneers were like, um, hell no. So didn't want to talk about a trade that was more or less not going to happen. I like the fit with Mohamed Sanu in San Francisco, just because he knows the offense, you just slide right in without any sort of issues. He's not a, uh, he's not a number one, so he's not like a big... Uh, wide receiver name that you'd have to figure out how to just get him the ball consistently and you start to cater more of your passing attack around the number one guy because he just has to get the ball um yeah add him to the collection of 49ers receivers that are like borderline wide receiver two wide receiver three guys uh nick why don't you give us your first trade cool so i uh went way bigger than all of you guys and uh, i'm saying yeah, well, I'm just talking shit. I'm sending uh, uh, Stephon Diggs to the 49ers um, and alternatively the Buffalo Bills. But either way, I, I want to see Diggs freed up so that he can run um, in the slot full time. He and Adam Thielen are both awesome in the slot. They're fine perimeter receivers, but they are dynamic in the slot and they only run with one slot receiver. So let's just free both of them up so they can both smash in the slot. Um, in return, though, the, the Vikings are going to need a perimeter receiver. So let's get Dante Pettis a fresh start and send mm-hmm. him out there. I know he's been running more in the slot uh, this season, but pr- typically he is a perimeter receiver. So let's get him out there, get a fresh start, throw in like a third-round pick. We're good. Uh, the, other, the other option is right now the Bills have awesome burners in John Brown and Robert Foster, although they're not really using Foster. And Cole Beasley, old man Beasley's tearing it up at like age 35 in the slot. But – Let's get Stefan Diggs and John Brown on the same field for Josh Allen to throw to, and that would be really fun to watch. The Bills have an excess of fifth and sixth round picks, so if they have to give up uh, a second to go get him, that's okay. They, they, they've got a lot of picks coming into this draft. 
Yeah. I mean, I would love to watch Stefan Diggs have balls thrown wildly over his head that are uncatchable by Josh Allen. It'd be Thank you. Also, it's so worth noting that both of these, yeah, I'm just cutting you right off. Uh, it's worth noting that both of these teams have ample cap space to yeah. uh, sign him to a long-term deal. Yeah. I love Diggs to the 49ers. I, I think, I think San Francisco, I would be surprised if San Francisco doesn't make some sort of wide receiver move just because of the fact that they're six and zero, their defense is legit 100%. And that offense is running the ball super well. But if you can get one more weapon for Jimmy Grapple to pass to outside of George Kittle, uh, then suddenly this offense becomes a whole, you know, this team becomes a whole new, whole new threat um, that could actually make a, a serious title run. I'm all for division opponents moving there best players out of the division so sure <laughs> uh philip dorsett catches a bomb from tom brady 26 yard touchdown patriots up 17 0 uh let's uh let's snake it let's snake this and uh nick why don't you give us your second trade that you're you're wanting to see happen at the deadline this one we don't have to spend very much time on it's just born barely out of frustration can it just be carlos hyde to fucking anywhere so that we can get a full workload <laughs> for duke johnson <laughs> I'm sure Bill O'Brien will give someone a third round pick to, <laughs> to take Carlos Hyde. It's the what he's in love with it. He keeps giving him 20 carries a game. It is absurd. I heard uh, on uh, the recap Roto World uh, podcast that came out last night. Um, I think it was Ian Hart. It's pointed out Duke Johnson is the number one elusive running back, according to Pro Football Focus this year. Like, he's so good. He is so friggin' good and they're wasting 40 percent 30 percent of their offensive touches on carlos it is appalling i'm so i hate it i hate it i hate it so carlos hyde anywhere right now instead the texans are going to trade for kenya and drake because they just need three running backs instead of two and make duke line up as a fullback and yeah baby i agree i just don't want to talk about it that's fair Cool. Since we're snaking, I am up next, and I'm going to give my sexy trade. Um, Mitchell Trubisky, clearly not the answer in Chicago. And with this team and its aspirations, it's time to cut bait, move on, and admit your mistake. Plus, uh, I want to get Allen Robinson a quarterback. So, who can they get, you ask? Well... How about Bears offensive coordinators Mark Helfrick's quarterback for two years when he was the head coach at Oregon, baby? Let's get Marcus Mariota to Chicago. And yes, he hasn't been the best quarterback this year, but still an improvement over Trubisky in my mind. And clearly, when he's reuniting with a coach who he worked with in Oregon his sophomore and junior year, I mean, can we talk about fireworks in the NFL? I don't know what you would send in compensation. Maybe you would send uh, a dead horse or, I don't know, Mitchell Trubisky. But Mariota, get him out of Tennessee. Let's have Chicago see the do a basically an eight-week trial period with him to figure out whether or not they want to pick up his fifth-year option and sign him to a long-term contract. Get Trubisky out of there. Get this offense actually being able to move the ball. And let's see what Marcus Mariota can do in an offense that's going to be explicitly created for him since that's exactly the offense that Mark Helfricks, the offensive coordinator for the Bears, did in Oregon. He knows how to use Mariota better than anyone else in the NFL. So let's piece it, pair them together and see what happens. That trade is incredibly mean-spirited towards the fans of Chicago to give them a brief hope that they have upgraded quarterbacks only to realize five years later, like Titans fans have the Marcus Mariota, who while yes, we were excited about him is just 
not a very good quarterback. And that's fair. I just think I just want to see I want to see Mariota have one or two years under a offense that is constructed to him. I feel like that just hasn't happened. And we talked about this at the start of the show where it's just like the Baltimore Ravens have built their offense around Lamar Jackson. No one's built their offense around, you know, what Marcus Mariota does. He was very successful at Oregon. And I understand there's a difference between the college and the NFL, but let's see his college coach. If he can't, he's the last last dish effort. What do you have to lose? See if you can build an offense around him and have success. Yeah, I think this is super well thought out, and I'm I'm very much on board for it. Uh, Marcus Mariota was such a goddamn talent, and he has been so badly mistreated with his carousel of offensive coordinators and head coaches. I, I, yeah, I think what we were talking about earlier, get him in a system where they will give they they will throw the whole season on scheming around him. I think that that'd be awesome. Um, Mitchell Trubisky is so fucking bad. He's garbage. It's he and. I, I always like to laugh about this. He's not an ambi thrower, how he can't throw to his left. Which I just feel like you shouldn't be able to be a professional player at any level if you physically cannot throw to half the field. That just that that seems to me like a a general uh, unqualification for the job. I like this trade in that I think that the Bears should take a flyer on somebody else. I was actually having a conversation earlier today about. Uh, if you swapped Rosen and Trubisky, like how much of how much for of those fortunes of those two teams would shift? Would it be better or worse for either one? Um, but I don't think that Mariota would be much of an upgrade. I think that Matt Nagy is still the I, I don't want to say ego, but I think he has an idea of what he wants to run offensively, and it's not going to be Mark Helfrich's show if they get a a new quarterback and they are going to end up being kind of in the same situation with uh, that they're already in with Trubisky because Trubisky is a pretty gifted athlete in his own right. Like he could move around and um, they don't really do any sort of designed runs for him when they probably should and could be pretty darn effective at it if they actually did. But um, I, I think it would just kind of be more of the same and um I don't know. I think maybe Mariota might have developed a little bit too much scar tissue at this point. To, but he's going to get another chance. But I don't know. Who knows? If you don't mind us going out of order. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. I have, a much better, I have a much better let's be nice to the Chicago Bears fans. <laughs> a team, a trade where both teams will benefit. And Pete, as an added bonus, you get your wish of getting Allen Robinson a competent quarterback. Tom Brady for Allen Robinson? Who says no? For probably eight games. And that is Teddy Bridgewater to the Bears for Allen Robinson straight up. No. Stunned silence. (laughs) I mean, Chicago was already, did you hear at the Saints-Bears game where the stadium was already chanting Teddy's name? They were, they're ready. They're here for it. They are ready for Teddy Bridgewater to lead this franchise to glory. That's I think after uh, this season, they don't want to let Teddy go. Like, like this makes them want to hang on to him even more, especially after this injury to Drew Brees and he's not getting any younger and was even playing that great when he wasn't. But I do like um, that. I like the thought process of getting Allen Robinson to New Orleans. I'm not against that. Hey, Pete, did you see Kyle Van Oy just give the football to a father who accepted it and did not give it to his excited son, but instead raised it over his head and celebrate? 
Boston fans at the finest. Jesus. Fuck them kids. Yeah, I like the I like the trade getting back on track. I like I like the trade. Uh I think Teddy Bridgewater would be a clear upgrade obviously and has shown that he can definitely he can move an offense and be a better like kind of plug in quarterback than Trubisky is and so that you're you're ultimately helping. I mean even if even if you trade picks for Teddy Bridgewater. I still consider Teddy Bridgewater a, an upgrade in getting Allen Robinson a quarterback rather than sending Robinson to uh, to New Orleans as part of the deal. Though I, I mean, again, Allen Robinson. If you had just Clark, if you had just been like, "Hey, Allen Robinson to the Saints," I don't care what compensation is. I'd be like, "I'm 100 percent in. Sign me up." So I guess if you just phrased it the other way around, I'm in. Sign me up. They want Tree Cohen to be their wide receiver one anyway. So <laughs> a genius move by by the uh, egotistical Matt Nagy. Jordan, wrap us up. What's the uh, final trade that you would love to see happen at the deadline? Uh, my final trade for the deadline is my hipster pick of the week. I'm just kind of, I, I want to just throw this out there. It doesn't really have a whole lot of fantasy implications. Um, but staying in Tennessee, actually, I want to send Jarrell Casey to the Baltimore Ravens. Um, Jarrell mm-hmm. Casey is only 29 years old. Um, the Ravens already... I mean, they traded for Marcus Peters, so they're already kind of seems like they might be going all in. They feel like they got a chance to just snatch this division. It's essentially theirs for the taking at this point. Anyway, um, it would shore up their defensive line uh, because I think Casey is just kind of a kind of an Aaron Donald light in that he can he can play well um, as a three tech and a little bit on the outside in a a four three or a three four defense. Um, it's a kind of a tough sell to trade him within the conference uh especially to the ravens but uh, i I think it's worth a shot like if the ravens want to really take their defense to um what i perceive could be the next level they really need to start getting after the pass um getting after the opposing quarterback a little bit more frequently casey can help with that they don't have a whole lot of cap space they have like just over two million dollars but i'm sure they can i mean Cap space is a myth, so they can yep. they can restructure like Jimmy Smith or Brandon Williams, who's their other defensive tackle, who's you know should probably be restructured anyway. But yeah, Baltimore defense. Get you those <laughs> points. There's there's the fantasy bitch. Yeah, I mean, if he doesn't catch passes or run the football, I don't know who you're talking. About. <laughs> I like the move. I mean, I have always had a special place in my heart for Jarrell Casey. After I think it was like Madden. I don't know, 13 or 14, I did a Tennessee Titans franchise and Jarrell Casey was by far and away the best player on my defense. Um, and I moved him all over the defensive line. And so I've always had a special spot for him. And I would hate to see him go to the Ravens because, you know, Patriots Ravens, we don't love each other that much, but he would be a perfect addition to that defense. He would give them an interior pass rush and a run stuffing force in the middle, something that they've been lacking in this offense, uh, in this defense. And like you said, they got Marcus Peters. You're hoping Earl Thomas can kind of get a little bit back on track, but Marlon Humphreys and Marcus Peters is a pretty dynamic uh, cornerback duo. And if you can get a little bit of of solidification, a little bit of pass rush, a little bit of uh, uh, pressure in that front seven, front four, now you're talking. You you have a secondary that can exploit any mistakes that quarterbacks will uh, will make. Thirty thousand foot view. This defense starts getting better. They start being able to prevent points from going on the board. That means more rushing yards from Omar, from Mark Ingram, Gus Edwards. Maybe Justice Hill gets involved a little bit more. 
So, yeah. They got Clark's, Clark's now buying into the trade. Now that he knows Lamar Jackson will be benefited by this trade. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it's it's good for the Ravens defense, but I think for fantasy purposes, it, it would kind of more hurt. Uh, I don't know. I, I want I like how much Lamar is rushing right now. Uh, I'd like him to continue to pass a lot too, because that's a lot less dangerous. And I want to see as much Lamar as I can. Jacoby Myers, big game. Jordan, I didn't, I'm surprised I didn't hear a whoop from you. Didn't plan. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Before we go and watch Monday night football with our fullest attentions, uh, let's quickly wrap it up. Waiver wire ads. If we can add one person off waivers, who are we adding? Nick, let's start with you. Yeah, man. Uh, Kenny Stills, dude stepping into the uh, the Will Fuller role. Uh, he's already had kind of beat out uh, Kiki QT just outright, but he plays a deep threat slot role rather than the short to intermediate area that uh, Kiki QT plays. So now it probably frees things up for Kiki QT too, but Stills is going to be the guy who's running burning routes down the field. Uh, I, I, like it a lot and would feel confident starting him as a flex um, in most situations. So yeah, go ahead. Kenny Stills. Fuller's supposed to be out. He pulled his hamstring. Fuller's supposed to be out for it's, I think the word was like, it's bad. Um, he's, yeah, he's going to be out for a while. Sorry, Clark. That's all right. Kenny Stills was on my list before Kenny Stills got hurt. He was squarely in the plans for the Texans offense. The Fuller injury only benefits him. Kenny Stills has been an effective wide receiver everywhere he's gone, despite coaches hating him for whatever reason. And it looks like Bill O'Brien hasn't grown to hate him yet. So I love Kenny Stills. He's my number one priority, but I do have a backup. Let's hear it then. Uh, The backup is uh, A.J. Brown or Corey Davis. We told you last week that these guys are free and that Ryan Tannehill is a better quarterback than Marcus Mariota. These guys should still be relatively free because they are not as good of a prospect as Kenny Stills. But uh, Corey Davis got the touchdown last week, only owned in 41% of leagues. A.J. Brown put up something like 65, 70 yards last week, only owned in 17% of leagues. So if you're hurting a wide receiver, uh, more of a bye week fill in than I'm going to uh, blow my load, so to speak, to go get these guys. My fab load, uh, my fab yeah. load. Some some free wide receiver help is available. Yeah, I love both of these guys, especially AJ Brown, who is again like barely owned. Um, he saw more targets than Davis did, but they both had six catches, and Davis did get the touchdown. But I think that. Again, we'll see one more week and a couple more weeks, see who Ryan Tannehill favors. But the passing game was there this week, and it was better. And with the Buccaneers next week on the schedule, I have a feeling that, again, we will see another productive passing outlet by the Tennessee Titans. So I'm buying both the receivers. I like that play. Jordan, who are you adding off waivers? Uh, This one's a little obvious. I am going to try to get as much Chase Edmonds stock as I can. Uh, he's 31.5% rostered in the ESPN league. So he is slightly available unless somebody uh, jumped on him uh, the other week when David Johnson initially got hurt. Uh, he is electric. He is a guy that, you know, hopefully it's not one of those things where it's one of their those Cardinals running backs like Hightower a couple of years ago who just came in and dominated for a couple of weeks. I think they actually really like him. He's had three straight weeks of double digit points and finally just erupted for over 30 this past week. And it's a situation where it's don't look now. The Cardinals are 3-3-1. Three, three, and one. They're not a fantasy black hole. They have some options, and uh, I think Edmonds 
is a good one. Yeah, right. I like it. Even if you don't need him, at least price and force on him, he's worth doing that. Definitely. All right, I got two guys that you should be going to add off waivers. Uh, one we talked about earlier, Ty Johnson, who replaced Carrion Johnson. Uh, he came in. He didn't do that much against the Vikings, but he saw 14 touches, which was more than like he led the backfield in that and was actually got more targets uh, and catches than J.D. McKissick, which is surprising given just that the McKissick's role in Detroit has been in the passing game. So I think obviously the Giants are, I mean, the the Lions are headed to New York to play the Giants next week, which was the team that just made Chase Edmonds the number one waiver wire ad in most people's minds. So I wouldn't be surprised if Ty Johnson, if he's given a serviceable workload, uh, returns against a Giants run defense that looks putrid to say the least. And then the other guy who I'm adding, I'm finally buying into it. Zach Pascal, the Colts wide receiver. It was a career year for him. He caught he caught uh, six balls on seven targets for 160 yards and a touchdown against the Texans on Sunday. And even with a healthy T.Y. Hilton, he still saw a pretty heavy workload, which is a great sign for everyone and who wants to get him on their fantasy team and just for him and the confidence that the offense has in him. I think that he uh, he's, a, he's here to stay. He's gone for at least 70 yards or scored a touchdown in his last four games. So I think that he is going to, he's developing as that number two receiver uh, for the Colts. And I'm taking all of the Devin Funches hype that I had on him and I'm putting it on Zach Pascal right now. Yeah, I really like Zach Pascal. It seems like Jacoby Brissett really likes him as a target. Uh, there are occasions when he'll disappear um, from football games, but if the offense is rolling, I, I think he's easily the, the second wide receiver in that offense. So. Yeah, I'm into this one too. I'm trying to pull up their their upcoming schedule, but it's it's glorious. Um, yeah, they're pa- I got, it's not bad. Uh, their next four games: Denver at Pittsburgh, against Miami, against Jacksonville. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a pretty good stretch all around. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Real football fandom coming out there. It's okay. We understand. We understand and appreciate it. We wouldn't ask for anything else from you, Clark. Anything less would be a would be a lie. All right. Well, there you go. Trades we want to see. Uh, all kinds of fantasy tidbits from week seven to help you move forward into a week eight. Uh, and then a little waiver wire ad so you get your team fully stocked and ready to go. Make sure you subscribe to everywhere you can listen to podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, whole nine yards. We are there. Leave us a review. Give us five stars. Uh, if you have any kind of fantasy question, leave it in with your five star rating. We'll promise we'll see it. And we promise we'll answer your question on the podcast. Follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. Follow myself at Pete M. Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark, Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 17, and Nick at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. We will be back at you Thursday to talk week eight starts and sits. Until then, peace.